0: Hi, everyone. My name is Kenesha Hemmings. I am the chief operating officer for Juneteenth of Palm Beach County. This,
1: this, this, this is, is, this is Diversified game game, 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 game game.
0: A podcast giving entrepreneurial advice from a diverse and inclusive perspective with Kelly. He may
1: agree. He may oppose. And it's more than just race. It's about, you know, ideas. So let the game begin. It's Kellen, and today on Diversified Game, I have Palm Beach County's own, but Jamaica, she has not forgot about you. This is gonna be a long list of positions in this show, but I have Kanisha Heming, and she is one of the people, one of the key people who put on a great Juneteenth celebration this year. I was there. My family was there. We had a great time, but she's more than just, you know, the CEO or the COO of that. She also is an actress, a writer, a producer, and so much more. I believe a mom as well. So, Tanisha, welcome to the show. How are you doing?
0: I'm doing good. I'm not a mom yet, but I'm an auntie.
1: (laughs) Okay. Okay. In our research, that's where all the babies, I said, oh man, that's why you still have that glow because you know, no stress. You can always give the babies back. I tell them
0: today, mamas.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, so no, that that's awesome, awesome. Where do we start? Let's just start with Juneteenth, because now that it's an official holiday, I just want to know, how long have you been doing this? And now that it's an official holiday, was it easier? And did you guys get any help from the feds as far as financing to put on such a great event?
0: Man, okay, let's see how to answer that question. Was it easier? Um, It wasn't easier, no, it didn't make it any easier, but it was more appreciative that it was now a holiday, knowing that we were having a festival. And just to be clear, our festival wasn't just a festival. We wanted to celebrate Juneteenth for sure, but our festival was more geared towards bringing the black community together and raising money for the three programs that we will have throughout the year. Um, for our Black communities, Black and Brown communities. So we wanted to make sure that the Black community came out, that we were supporting Black-owned vendors, um, that we were supporting Black-owned businesses, that we were keeping the Black dollar in the Black community longer than six hours. And we were very successful by doing so, because the festival was a sold-out festival for vendors. And that's amazing. It was free to attend, but our vendors were able to sell out within the first few hours. And that, to me, was probably one of the biggest takeaway. Not only was it a big family reunion, you said it yourself, you were out there, you guys enjoyed it. Um, but now that it's a federal holiday, we love it, but we're not here for the performative stuff. We want more to happen. We've been celebrating Juneteenth. Um, we've been celebrating our successes. We've been celebrating our resilience, but there's the anti-lynch bill that's still on the table. There's so many things that still need to be taken care of um, federally that we appreciate the recognition, but it is not enough. So did the government help us? Absolutely not. It's been private donors um, from Palm Beach County, from just all over that just came in and support us, that helped us out, but nothing from the government.
1: Have you heard of anything that maybe the government will, you know, pitch in? And I say that because um, President Bush uh, Jr., he had put a bill um For black married families. And I know, you know, throughout the country, different organizations get paid by the government to put on these, you know, to support black marriage. So have you heard anything to say, yeah, they're going to, you know, start or at least do a study? That's what they love to say.
0: They're going (laughs) to do do their research. Nothing (laughs) as of yet. I haven't heard anything that the government's saying, hey, you know what, we're going to put money towards a Juneteenth celebration, Juneteenth festival throughout um, the country, um, that would be nice. I think the money needs to go towards paying people, black people, to be off on Juneteenth. I know it's a federal holiday and federal employees get paid, but that does not guarantee um, for our local employees, our corporate Americas, That that's not a guarantee. You can recognize it as a holiday, you can pay time and a half, but it needs to be a paid time off holiday for all black residents
1: amen to that a to the men to that and then that's when we're going to find out everyone will do their dna and i do mean everyone and say (laughs) i got some black (laughs) yeah i I, you know I, i got some of that in me and and you know with trying to you know really bring the community together are there any like analytics or you know white papers been written to show how Juneteenth helps bond the family. Do you know anyone who's gone deep into that?
0: I haven't met anyone that's gone deep into it. We just know from, you know, what you see in the media, from talking to other um, event planners, what they've done. Um, One of the unique things about us, um, like I said, is we push the, uh, the narrative of family reunion We wanted everyone to come in there and not feel like, oh, here's another company trying to sell us something um, because that's not what it's about. We wanted everyone to come out and feel like they were family because that's what the black community is. We're supposed to um, support each other in that capacity. You know what I'm saying? We were the first sharecroppers. We were the first, we created the bartering system. Um, So we wanted to get back to that with our festival. We wanted to get back to sharecropping, bartering, networking, doing all of that. So as far as like having it on paper, it hasn't been there, but we've we've done it. It's on our paper now. <laughs> we can say it's it's proven with the feedback that we've gotten.
1: Well, and you know, you're a Delta, so you're known for knocking down doors.
0: Ooh, whoop. Uh, <laughs> Shout out to all my Soras out there.
1: Yeah. So, you know, with creating an event like this, just let the people know how much work goes into it. Like how early do you start to, you know, create for the event? Have you do you even get to take off a break? You know with the different things you got to do for an event like of that size oh
0: man we've been planning this events in the since the inception of juneteenth the organization we um created juneteenth back in uh some of 2020 um so we had the audacity of creating a non-profit in the same breath in, of creating a festival so this has been like a year in making um officially like eight months in planning but you have to like this isn't no pull together in a month or two, like to get the real um, players involved. Like it's, it's the six of us, I, my board member, um, my board members. So there's Sakina Kelly, there's Brittany Mitchell, who are our two co-founders. Um, Chris McAfee, he always McAfee, Chris McAfee, Webster, Cassius, Tarnisha Burgess, myself, it's only been the six of us um, that really were going hard in the paint to push this. We were wearing so many different hats um, creating this event. So it took us some time to get the legwork in, but it was really about reaching out to the community, reaching out to Black-owned businesses, reaching out to Black-owned resources, um, reaching out to the county. Um, the city of Rivera Beach and the CRA were very detrimental in bringing this um, event to life in the manifestation of what we were trying to do with donating the space um we had several meetings with the special event committee um we reached out to like we reached out to the black chamber of commerce we reached out to the members of the black chamber of commerce so it, it at the end of the day end up becoming a collective um situation but it was really the six of us putting in that blood sweat and tears to make sure this came um, about and that it was possible for the community
1: okay so this is the first one that your organization has done
0: yes it's our inaugural
1: well congratulations because that was like you guys have been doing it for the longest and i'll say my family you know they were going in and i got stopped at the door i had to leave something in the car um but so your everything is security was on point a one um you know we're, we're over here you know fully licensed but right. you know but i, I said oh okay um but you know and i love that and i believe it was Ana a black owned security i uh, mm-hmm. love you know the work that they did and even want to um, talk with their founders let me ask you you have a Degree in communications. Here you are doing Juneteenth. You're trying to get your people together and you're also into the arts as far as acting. I know none of that you did for the money or the fame. What drives you to say, you know what? I'm going to do things that are all risky, that I'm going to, you know, <laughs> roll the dice, things that aren't guaranteed? Like, what's the drive? What's the why?
0: Ah, oh, man, God. This this is nothing but God, this is, um, so my raison d'etre is to help the underdogs, is to make my life journey like a blueprint for others. Like I want people to be able to see way past their zip code. Oftentimes as black people, we look at the areas that we live in and think that this is the best that we can do or that we don't have the financial means to do anything better. I mean, the six of us, <laughs> We we work in different areas. Um, I live in California. Everybody else lives in Florida. You know what I mean. Sakina has three kids. Like it. It's about having the passion and the drive. And for me, I have passion to help people. It came from my mom. My mom, without even being um coined that she's always been a philanthropist she's always been an activist she's like an open door she's like the community mother for a lot of people like i've seen my mom take care of so many people and help so many people's career out just by opening her door and feeding people so that was embedded in my dna already and being able to move here in california and to say you know what i'm gonna pursue my dream if i'm gonna fail at doing something i'm gonna fail at doing something that i love Right. Versus being stressed out, working at somebody else's job, making money for somebody else, losing my hair, um, you know, doing all these things and not seeing the benefits of it. I want to be able to help my people out. And my people really is my why. Black people is my why. Seeing what we've been through, knowing what we've been through, knowing our history, knowing our heritage, knowing what we came from. Um, it's my driving force knowing that we can be better if we just band together. So that's definitely my why. And shout out to Tina Knowles Lawson because she's been a mentor to me for years and really instilled in me the importance of black art and the importance of showing up for black people.
1: Well, you know, that was going to be the next thing I say because when you say that name, some people say, man, who's Tina Knowles Lawson? Well. You better remember, you know, say her name, say her name. And, you know, that's that's Beyonce's mama for those who, you know, can't connect it. And I know you have served as an assistant um, as, you know, in the arts. So talk about that relationship and how that came together, because a lot of people, you know, how people clout chase and they'll Mm -hmm. say, what you doing? And then you'll mention a name like that. Oh, here's my demo. Can you get it to her mama? So, like, how did that relationship come about?
0: man, uh, (laughs) happenstance. I actually, um, so a roommate of mine at the time was taking classes at Richard um, Lawson Studios. um, And Richard and them started this program called Dance Fit Walk, it was a workout program. I hate working out. I don't like it, but I was like, I need to do it. I was like, I moved here to be an actor. I got, you know, I got to stay fit. I got to look good. So I was like, let me start uh, going out there with them. So Richard and I like developed this relationship where we had this banter back and forth, but we'll crack jokes on each other. And he was like, you need to come to my class and study. At the time, I was working full time at a doctor's office, just trying to get, built my ground, get stable while I like figure out California, figure out what it is that I wanted to do when pursuing my acting. I was like, all right, I'll 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 come out. I'll see what your class is about. So Richard and I kind of built that relationship. And I think within like the first month of joining his class, he was like, hey, my wife needs um, an assistant. Are you interested in doing so? At this point, I was walking away from my full-time job and I was like, Okay. I mean, I've never been a personal assistant before. Let me see what that's about. And it wasn't really about like, I didn't even look at it as like, oh my God, this is Beyonce's mom. I'm always like, I've always been the type of person where you're just another human being. Like when it comes to authority figure, I never look at anybody being above me, but on the same level as me. And I think that's what made my relationship with Miss Tina work is that I, she never treated me as if I was below her. She treated me like a daughter and she'll check me like a daughter too, I love it. <laughs> like, come here, let me talk to you, sit down. <laughs> um, so that's kind of how the relationship started. And with that becoming her personal assistant, I also became the executive assistant when uh, we opened Waco. I was there for the inception of Waco Theater Center. And with Waco Theater Center came additional nonprofit um, ventures with her, um, Tina's Angels and Richards Warriors, and I became the program manager for those two, two uh, mentorship programs. So that's how I got connected with Miss Tina. And now she's like one of my advisors, still my, one of my biggest supporters, still my mentor. I reach out to her for like everything, everything that I can think of because I've learned so much just being able, like, man, this woman, like, a lot of people look at her as Beyonce's mom, but Miss Tina has, been holding her home before Beyonce was even a name. She's been making her millions before Beyonce was even a name. She can look at a blueprint and tell you the floor plan of something. It's so crazy, mind boggling the things that she can do just by looking. And she's the type of person where she don't sit back and let other people do the work. She is in the grit with you she's grinding with you she's hands-on so just being able to like witness that for the past four to five years it really instilled in me like gratitude and being able to just roll my sleeves up and work and i think because i led with gratitude we were able to pull in the people that we were able to pull in for sponsorship we all led with gratitude knowing that you know we're doing this for the community so that's yeah that's basically how my relationship developed with
2: Miss
1: Tina. Well, I love to hear that and that she brought on a black woman. You're in Cali. I'm from Cali. I've been in this business over twenty years. Man, my my hair, you know, I say, Man, just let it keep growing as a sign that it's not going. But it's sometimes rare because someone at that level can have a bunch of Mazungus around them. And you're like, Hold on, this is or you'll go to B E T, you know, back when It was black. Black. (laughs) And you say, where are the black people? Right? And so I love to hear that she let you, you know, and started to groom you and to show you things. And the checking is part of the lesson where uh, there's a lot of people that can't handle that. You know?
0: Absolutely. You got to be able to sit back and take in the love that people give you. Um, Miss Tina, she is like when I say she's such a mother to everyone, she's such a mother and that mother figure will come out and you got to take the lessons out of everything. Sometimes people take things like, oh man, they're criticizing me. And she don't come from like, it doesn't come from this place of criticism. It comes from like, look, you are a daughter. like you're a bonus child. Like she calls us her bonus kids. Like you are a bonus kid of mine. And you know, I'm setting you up in in a place for you to be successful. But in order for you to be successful, you got to be able to see the things that other people are seeing that you might not recognize. You know what I mean? Coming from a background that I came from and dealing with some of the trauma that I've dealt with, I've like I lead with a dominance. Presence and sometimes that can come off very aggressive to people and I don't recognize it until someone says something to me So it's it was one of those things. It's like, okay Let's have a conversation to help you work through that So you know how to approach things and handle things when it comes your way So you're not knocked off your high horse and learn how to be diplomatic with things So that's one of the things she instilled in me and also just like I said appreciation appreciation of black art She is so pro-black she is probably one of the blackest people I've ever met in my life. <laughs> you hear me? She is so pro-black with the way she approached things, the art, everything is about supporting and creating for black people.
1: That, that's beautiful to hear. Can you talk about how to get over that trauma? Because so many people have trauma and, you know, you can't say, oh, well, that just happened to you. Guess what happened to me? It was 10 times worse. People have to deal with things the way they deal with them. And I, I like to push the, the therapy and it won't hurt. But w- what are some ways that you've been able to get over your trauma? Because the more we talk about it, the more people say, OK, it wasn't just me. And let me try what they tried to see if I can get over that hurdle. If not, it holds you back and anchors you in life.
0: Absolutely. The first thing is acknowledging it, um, acknowledging that you have trauma, acknowledging that it It plays a part in the way you deal with your day to day. Sometimes we think that, you know, oh, it doesn't show up in this area, but it does show up here, that it's only isolated to certain things. And I had to be able to really sit down and acknowledge it and then come from a place of self-love. One of the things that I realized that I was lacking was self-love in order to get over my trauma. Like I had to do things that were beneficial for my well-being, my mental health. Um, Therapy, like you said, is a good way to do it, but being able to talk to other people about it, being able to talk through it, and then recognize it when when it's happening to be able to check it in that moment and be like, okay, I can't take certain things personal because it's just business. Sometimes when we, we have conversations with people, we don't realize that they're talking out of hurt and it has nothing to do with you. Nothing whatsoever. So learning to not take things personal in the moment with conversations, learning to listen twice. That's one of the things that I've learned is to listen twice because being reactive was something that was just innate in me. I I reacted before thinking or listening. So I had to learn to slow down and listen twice.
1: Well, let's have a teachable moment for especially the young ladies, but it could also apply to men because you being Jamaican background, where Jamaican men say some of the most rudest things to women, um, and it's like, hold on, what? You can't can't say that, it's 2021, you'll be canceled. But then, you know, and I know you have Jamaican knees as well, so they could see you in a club and say, oh, in their mind, you're welcoming them to, you know, a dance when you're just like, I want to dance. But then when you go to LA, where if you don't dance with someone, or if someone you know wants to give you two kisses on the cheek, they can easily cancel you and say, no, nah, this person is not, you know, and there's a lot of sexual energy and entertainment. And so how can young ladies deal with that and learn to navigate that? Because I have not seen a course on it. I'd mm-hmm. love to create a course, but I don't think I'm the right person to do that.
0: <laughs> it's really understanding your self-worth. The thing is with, um... Jamaican culture. There's a lot we we still, as Jamaicans, have to learn about how colonizing and <laughs> the white savior plays a part in the way we handle certain things. Like I don't, uh, Jamaica to me, sometimes we're behind the the eighth ball when the eighth ball when it comes to women, um, empowering women and respecting women, um, and they don't realize that it's something that. It it comes back from slavery time, like disrespecting women, beating women, all of those things. Like they think that that's what you're supposed to do because we're considered inferior to them. You know what I mean? So I think there's a lot the culture still needs to learn about getting out of like slavery mentality, getting out of the white savior, getting out of how the colonizers taught us how to do things. And they don't realize that it's embedded in their DNAs, that it's something that's embedded in your DNAs because of how you were brought, how your ancestors were brought into this world. So we need to talk more about that. And I don't think it's being addressed, but as far as women, and how to respect yourself. It's really about knowing your self-worth and what you will allow and not allow. And it's okay to tell people no and dismiss people and be all right with that. Cause sometimes we get caught up in the glitz and glamor of what somebody can do for us. My mom taught me to be an independent person to come to create my own, not to be lacking of a man. I know what a man can bring to the table for me or whatever, a partnership is what I look for but I don't rely on a man to pay my bills. I don't rely on a man to tell me how beautiful I am. And I don't rely on the love of a man. My happiness comes from me. So first we gotta find our own happiness and it starts with self-love and understanding your self-worth.
1: And you talk about DNA, and this is something that, you know, I I ask a lot of Caribbean people while, you know, back to Africa is a big thing. um, I have investments throughout the continent and in, we've even taken people, using um, different means to take people to Africa. Why do not more Jamaicans, let's stay with you know what you may know, do their DNA? Because it's like, oh, I'm Jamaican. No, but what tribe are you from? Right. It's like, no, but I'm Jamaican. And it's almost like they say it like they're pure, Jamaican, like they were, you know, their father's, father's father was on there. And it's like, no, I'm an American and I have Jamaican blood as well. But I have to go do my DNA and see my DNA. It does not tell me Jamrock. doesn't tell me Kingston. It tells me Cameroon. It tells me Mali. It tells me Nigeria. And then we break it down to like the tribe. So is, have you seen that? And if I'm correct in that, and I can be incorrect, Why do not more Jamaicans do their DNA?
0: I think it's not pushed enough. I don't think the education of it is that Jamaica is a third world country, and we're still trying to fight to have economic stability. To me, right now, Jamaica is being owned by the Chinese government, and we can talk. That's that's like another story for another day. But Jamaica, right now, they're still trying to figure out how to feed kids and bring you know put kids in school because you got to you know while While in America, there's VPK and you have these free programs, we don't have that accessibility in Jamaica. So it's not at the forefront um, of issues like, you know, do your DNA testing. Now, Jamaica is very well connected to the continent of of Africa, especially when it comes to Ghana. Ghana and Ethiopia, Jamaica is very well connected when it comes to that, sharing music, sharing love of food, all of that, but when it comes to really diving deep and figuring out where does my, what tribe, which rebellious tribe did I come from? Because Jamaica and Haiti, um, the history of Jamaica and Haiti from them dropping off slaves in Jamaica and Haiti was really the imprisonment of it. These are the unruly slaves, the slaves that they could not control. They left on those islands because you can't escape an island unless you can swim. (laughs) And a lot of us know that our, you know, they were pulling people from inland Africa to bring them to the coast of Ghana in order to transport them. So a lot of us couldn't swim. We didn't know that because we weren't surrounded by water like that. So I don't think it's in the forefront. It's not something that's being pushed, but I do have a friend who sits on, she's an ambassador of Jamaica. And I think she sits on like a board that talks about the diaspora. And I think it's something that they're starting to push now to understand that we are the diaspora of Africa. We do have relationships over there. Now let's try to figure out how we can really connect with each other and figure out who who's we are, like where we come from. And I think there's a lot of Nigerians and um, Ghanaians. Am I saying it right, Ghanaians? Because <laughs> yeah. I know there's another. <laughs> so a lot of Nigerians that's Jamaican, like our. Coming from our ancestors, I do feel like we're a lot of we have a lot of Nigerian background when it comes to the way we say certain words, our food, all of that is connected to Nigeria and Ghana.
1: Definitely, and I have been to Jamaica a couple times, my wife and I, and I've also been to Ethiopia and I've talked with the Rastas in you know Ethiopia, and I said for all the connection, still you, you don't know because when you get to Ethiopia, you're like. You're probably from West Africa when you're looking at this person, right? But mm-hmm. Ethiopia is so many different tribes, just like all of Africa. You, you don't know, but I would like to know. And wherever you want to lay your head is where you want to lay your head. For those of you who say, "Why are Jamaicans in Ethiopia?" You need to Google that information. Look up what you know. Haile Selassie did with Shashamani, and and then you can go, you know, come back to the conversation, and it will all make sense. Now with the acting. I know fame is like plan B, but you are actually good. And I would not bring that up. Like when I was watching it, I was like, oh, this is okay. She She's ready for Nollywood. Let me go call my guy, <laughs> Dr. Stevens and Kane Stevens in Cameroon for his movie he's um, putting together. But you are actually. Go ahead and pitch good. me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We're going to talk after this. Don't worry. Because um, I got an offer for you. But. Um, okay. I, I mean, you're you're good at the acting, and you can play various roles. Uh, did you go to school for that? When did you get that love? Man,
0: acting. I had a middle school band. A course teacher named Miss Richardson who introduced acting to me. She into well, we didn't even have acting program at the time. I was attending Bear Lakes Middle School. We didn't even have an acting pro- a theater class at the time, and she actually introduced it to me. And I was like, man. I wanna do this, I love this. And growing up and seeing like, man, Kimberly, watching Kimberly Elise, Angela Bassett, like growing up and seeing these like black women just taking charge in the acting game, I was like, I wanna do this, but growing up, Everyone around me was like, oh, that's just a pipe. That's a hobby. It's a pipe dream. You want to go and like, typical Jamaicans want you to become a nurse, want you to, like, go to school and become a nurse, become a nurse, become a nurse. And I'm like, that's not me. I've always, like, walked. I'm one of eight kids, nine kids, really. I'm one of nine kids. And I've never been anything like my siblings. I've always been the standout child, the child to do whatever it is that she wants to do. I've always walked to the beat of my own drum. So." My mom always knew there was something about that one. <laughs> something <laughs> about that one. She's a little unruly. Like someone about that one that could not be contained, but it was introduced to me by uh, Miss Richardson. And then when I went to Palm Beach Lakes, I joined the theater department. But also, like I said, I still had in the back of my head from what people were telling me, like this is just a pipe dream. It's not something that you can fully pursue, whatever. Like you, you'll never really make it just like community theater, maybe. Um, But it wasn't until I got to college, and I'm gonna fast forward this part, I got married, all of that. It wasn't until leaving that marriage when I was like, you know what? I need to redefine who I am, rediscover myself. I've always wanted to live in California. I think I came to visit for one day, checked out one acting school, and decided I'ma move here. And with only $500 in my bank account, I got on a plane January, Fourth of 2012, and moved to California, and the rest was history. I said, if I'm a fail, I'm a fail doing the thing that I I want to do. I didn't at this point. I didn't care. I didn't have anything else to lose.
1: Well, you know, and you won, and by the background, it looks like you continue to win because you're not on Skid Row. You're not doing, you know, everything and anything just to make it. And a place where I'm, I, I love Cali. It's home, but it's just way too expensive for me. And, yes. you know, and, and for what you get for your money, this Florida is like, hello, I'm just, <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm all all in um, when in the country. You know, I can't wait for things to open up all the way up around the world so we can go globe trotting again all around the world and, yes. and rest. So with everything that you're doing and the best is yet to come. What is, and you mentioned some, so maybe you pull one that you haven't mentioned or you expound on, on something that you already have, but what is a community give back that you are doing or that you plan to do or want to do in the future?
0: Mm, man, my heart is really into foster care right now. Um, my mother became a foster mom, I think back in 2008. She, there she go again. <laughs> she opened up her doors officially to be a foster mom. And just being able to see what that system is like, especially for black kids in that system, the highest sex trafficking ring starts in the foster care system. Um, the bridge to getting parents reconnected with kids and actually giving them the therapy and the tools that they need to survive, that's lacking. So. I think the next thing I would like to do, because I've, I've done a lot, like I've done a women empowerment um, film festival for four years with my impact group. Um, I've like, so I've empowered women through that aspect. I've empowered kids th- through um, the Tina's Angels and Richard's Warriors program. I've changed lives through that. And I'm changing lives w- through Juneteenth of Palm Beach County. But for me, like I've, I have a special place in my heart for kids. So I think foster care is probably my next thing that I would like to tackle. And I have a lot of friends who grew up in the foster care system who do have their own organizations and speak on it on their own platform that I would like to do something um, with that. And My mom's been talking about opening a community home um, for foster kids that's a little bit better than what's going on now. Because the group homes that these kids are in, man, some people are just in it for the money. Some people just don't really they don't understand the trauma that these kids have. Um, My mom actually adopted one of her foster kids and we're putting her through therapy now just because of the trauma of being ripped away from your parents at six years old, being being in different foster care homes and just like the different transition and no one's thinking what damage has that done regardless of what you wanna say their parents have done regardless. And some of these parents were vile, but at the end of the day, that's the parents that they knew and you're putting them in this new environment to be treated well or be mistreated, you can't really track it sometimes. There's a lot of kids who die in foster care systems. You know what I mean? So that's my next thing that I would love to tackle in the future.
1: Well, I'd love to hear that because I've worked in that system from the group homes to the psych wards and even CPS. And I tell people the reason we don't take kids out of homes, or at least me, um, and I've maybe took three out of, you know, hundreds, if not, you know, more cases, is because I've seen even in the facilities, the kids be treated even worse. So it's like, okay, they're smoking marijuana. Um, what are we, this is before it was legalized, you know, Mm -hmm. what are we really talking about? But, um, I, I get it. There's, there's, I get it, I get it. And we could go down a whole line. That's another interview. When she does do that, folks, I'm (laughs) gonna say, Come on back. Let's get the game. But you guys have gotten the game. I want you to like, share, subscribe, all that good stuff, you know, especially for you listeners where the majority of the audience is. Share it. Share the info. Somebody needs to hear this. I want to know, though, before we go, what words would you like to leave the people with?
0: Man, um, I was speaking to a mentee um, the other day, and she's like, I just want to you know, she was like, I want to be like you. I want to be able to come back to my community and give back. Um, but right now, I just don't have the resources. And I told her, I was like, let me tell you something that I've learned. Start where you're at. Sometimes we feel like we got to have buku money in the bank account in order to give back to our community. We don't have to. All you have to do is have the passion and drive and the the connection to the resources. Reach out to your churches, reach out to your friends. You never know who has that connect to someone that can help you. And all I did was go on the phone and call people and just told them what I was passionate about. And they were like, okay, you're, you know, there's synergy. You're aligned with what I'm aligned with. Let's do this together. So start where you're at. Don't feel like you have to have a certain amount of money. Don't feel like you have to be this big CEO of a huge company for people to recognize you. Juneteenth of Palm Beach County came out of nowhere. We are small and mighty and we have gained the respect of the community just by being in gratitude. So once you have that gratitude, that heart of gratitude and you want to give back start where you are at because there. are people in your community that is willing and able to help you.
1: You guys feel nice with the game? Game over.
2: Hi, guys. I'm Kai Gabiam from the Diaspora Channel, a lover of Africa. If you love Africa as well and you would love to visit one day or to relocate to Africa, there is a course out there for you. And this course is My First Trip to Africa, a course Well put together by by a seasoned traveler, Kellen Cash Coleman. This course is designed to prepare you to travel better, which will save you both time and money. And the great news is this course costs only $20, guys. It can't get any better. Go right now and enroll to this course at www.diversifygame.com Don't miss out.